This is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. We're down to the final eight at Euro 2020 with a number of surprise packages in amongst the pack. We'll take a look ahead to what could be another epic weekend of football in the quarterfinals and we'll be joined by the special one, Jose Mourinho, on the Game Euro 2020. I'm Hugh Wizencroft. Joining me to look ahead, Gregor Robertson and Tom Roddy. How are you? Very well. Confused, Hugh. What do you? I, I really never know what to do on these days when there's no football during to- the tournaments. What the hell do you do? I feel unemployed. Basically, I just sit around <laughs> all day and just contemplate my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Early no Um, It's been a crazy tournament and I was talking to Jose Mourinho a little bit earlier on. He'll be telling us a little bit later on how you prepare your sides mentally for ties of this type where the pressure is really, really on. It has been a crazy tournament so far. I'm going to ask you both, I think, for one shock out of the four games we've got remaining, but I'll ask you right at the end of the podcast. Not yet, so don't don't get too yeah. afraid, Greg. You've got time to think about <laughs> it. Yeah, instantly. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask you both whether you think this round could be better than the round of 16, which was absolutely fantastic. Tom, what do you think? I'd love to think so, but... No, I don't. I mean that. I, if they can top, if they can top that day with a Croatia game and 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 the France game, it'll be the absolutely the tournament to remember. But I, I can't really see it. And, and especially, I mean, you get to this stage, maybe there's the fatigue of of the tournament takes its toll um, after such a gr- long, grueling season. But I, I, I can't see it being as good, but I'll have my fingers firmly crossed. Gregor, what do you think? Is it going to get better from here? I mean, Belgium-Italy is the game you hold out hope for. When you, when you get into the knockout rounds, it has been brilliant that Games have of, of kind of often been slow burners. So when a team goes behind and they, you know, they, they go, we've got no choice now. We need to go for it. Like <laughs> Portugal in the last 15 minutes, they played so so dull for most of the tournament, and then they had to go for it, and it was became a you know end to end ding dong game. So I think we will see more of that. But there are still teams left in the competition, like the Czech Republic, like Ukraine, who are pretty cagey disruptors really more than kind of free-flowing teams uh, so I think probably the the best hope is kind of games that are close and the teams are you know not a 3-0 lead at half time you want to see the second half and we'll see some that's that's the, that's peak football for me elite you know elite big tournaments knockout knockout competitions brilliant it's when you sit back and you say this is quality football, you know, not just excitement. We love a bit of excitement as well, but towards the latter stages of a tournament, you want to see sides of real quality. You want to see the tactical battle. I hate mistakes. I think as you all know as well, so any mistake laden game, I find disgusting. Doesn't matter how entertaining it might be a crazy four, three or whatever. So I want to see quality. I want to see teams most importantly, play to their maximum, don't want to leave games and think they just weren't up to it today or they they didn't really show up. You know, that is the worst case scenario for me personally. And I'm hoping that the rest of the tournament can deliver. But as I say, you'll get Jose Mourinho's views on it a little bit later on. Uh, Shall we begin by discussing the games on Friday? A couple of very intriguing, in my opinion, very even contests. Belgium take on Italy at the Allianz Arena in Munich. Both sides sporting fantastic records thus far. Roberto Martinez is Belgium have beaten Russia, Denmark, Finland and Portugal with an aggregate score of 8-1. While Roberto Mancini has seen his Italy side come past Turkey, Switzerland, Wales and Austria, albeit in extra time, 9-1 on aggregate. So, Tom, who do you think are the favourites? 
Favourites um, are probably are probably Belgium. They're probably the slight favourites going into it. I think the the interesting thing will be the injuries with this game because you've got Hazard and De Bruyne. Whether whether they come back, I mean, the, how much they strengthen that Belgian side is is massive. And then on the other side, you've got Chiellini and. My God, the the years in of that he's been an absolute rock in defence with imperious performances, um, and just continues to do so. What he adds to that Italian back back line is is massive. Um, I th- the problem, maybe the the one problem, is that I, I I think there is when we think and talk about what's going on with England and this kind of the pressure that is building on England with as, as the further they get in this tournament. I don't think it compares probably to what's going on with Belgium because, you know, we look ahead and think of the, the players who can come in the next generation with England who are coming through now. And with Belgium, they haven't got it quite to the same Degree. I mean, I remember speaking to Romelu Lukaku in October, and he was saying that his biggest fear in football. This was midway through the Italian Serie A season, and he was thinking about Belgium. And his biggest fear in football was the golden generation retiring, all those guys moving on, and and them not achieving what their potential is to achieve. Um, I, I I think I think they need to start going up a gear now this is the time to start going up a gear and if that doesn't happen I, my my hunch is actually probably towards Italy favourites Gregor I know it's stating the obvious but it does depend on whether De Bruyne and, and Hazard are fit because I, I read that De Bruyne has created 37% of all of Belgium's chances and he's he didn't play the first game and he's only played a part in two of the other games so that's just ridiculous that shows his, how, how important he is for them and you know Dries Mertens and Yannick Carrasco are not De Bruyne or Hazard, so that will be pivotal. I think if they play, I would put them fa- put them favourites, and if they don't, I would put Italy favourites. It's that simple. And you know, as Tom said, Chiellini coming back would be big because in terms, you know, him and Bonucci up against Lukaku, that's that's mouth watering stuff. We're going to get into the detail of all of that in a moment. You know, those those defensive battles, the tactical battles, and a little bit of a deeper dive as well on De Bruyne and Hazard. But Gregor Styles do make fights here as well, don't they? Italy playing their traditional 4-3-3 versus the 3-4-2-1 of Belgium. Does that make one of them favourites? I think Italy look, I've said this before, I think Italy look the most kind of refined. I know Austria was their, their, their weakest performance, but they look the most kind of like a club club side. I was going to say, I think what they do in midfield will be quite interesting because Barella probably, you know, I, I've, I thought Barella's been really good, but Locatelli and Piscina, two players who came off the bench and had a big impact against Austria and Verratti's back fit now as well. So I think the dynamics in midfield will, will change slightly for Italy but then you know, as much as we heap praise on the they're kind of I don't want to say geriatric back three but they're, they're elder statesmen <laughs> of Belgium uh, it must have taken a lot out of them that game and you know they're, they're facing a very different proposition there's much more craft and dynamism and kind of overload so that's that's Italy's kind of trademark so far it's been the overloads down the flank particularly Spinazzola and Insigne down the left uh, so they, they have a completely different challenge to a Portugal team or any team that they've placed 
played so far. So, as I say, I think Belgium need to be at full strength to to beat Italy. Quick focus on Belgium then, Tom. Six shots to Portugal's 23 in their last 16 match. That defence that Gregor mentioned, Toby Alderweireld, Thomas Vermaelen, Jan Vertonghen, do they answer the doubts that people have had over them in that match or do they still linger? No, they, they did answer. They definitely answered them. I remember that night and I remember thinking that Vermaelen could probably still be at Arsenal at the, at the moment. Um, the way he was, the way he played that Instead night. In Japan, still looked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, still looked, still looked as, as fresh as anything and, and probably the freshest out of that back line um, after the season they've had. And, and I think it's uh, it, it actually benefits them. I mean, Gregor speaks of the geriatric Italian line. The, the Belgians aren't far off, aren't far off them at all. And I do think that the one thing that worries me about this game is it, it is the tie of of the round. It, it's kind of got you licking your lips a little bit, but it also makes me worry that it might be the the cagiest, the the, the dullest one. Um, certainly for the ninety minutes, I've got the feeling this one could go to extra time. Because of this kind of experience that they've got, there's, there's so much experience, especially in those back lines. And I think that will create a real sort of caginess to the, to the feel, to the tie, where neither of them neither of them really wants to go for it too much. I think I'd be amazed if Chiesa doesn't start for Italy as well after his impact. And he was brilliant against Wales too. Um, it's not that Berardi's done at a bad tournament by any stretch of the imagination, but... Uh, you know, also you look at him down down that left hand side uh, with Vertonghen playing on the left. He's he's a runner. He's a powerful runner, Chiesa. So that's that's potentially a, a you know a, a danger point for Belgium. I don't know if this um, if this makes any difference whatsoever. Uh, I'll be honest, but I was having a look yesterday, and it, it's quite interesting that Italy out of out of all the countries left. 13 of the players that featured in the in the round of 16 game against Austria play in Italy. They all are based in Italy, whereas Belgium's players that played in, in their game, um, they're just sp- totally spread across the continent. I mean, the most is is England, and that's four players come come from the UK, travelled from the UK. So I don't know if there's that, if that is benefiting them a little bit, the kind of similar style, all playing in the same league. I, I totally agree with what Gregor said in that they feel, they feel like a club team, whereas sometimes Belgium feel like a group of players who have who are relying on moments of excellence from individuals like De Bruyne, like Hazard, like Lukaku. And that's I think that's why my hunch goes slightly towards Italy. You mentioned Gregor Kevin De Bruyne already, but Eden Hazard looked like he was coming back to his best somewhat in this tournament as well. Certainly didn't look as jaded as we thought he had earlier on in the season in the Champions League in particular. They both looked totally fine as they got on the bus to travel to Munich a little bit earlier on. If De Bruyne is missing, how important is it that Hazard plays as well? Because the both of them, I mean, that shows real difficulty to create. I mean, God, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I think I said that after. If, if one's missing, then you've just got to hope and pray that the other's fit. And yeah, you're right. Hazard Hazard was dangerous. He was, and he took some rough treatment as well. And you know, I think that that says a lot about the way he played. So yeah, he's 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 been Belgian's Belgian one of one of Belgium's kind of talisman for a long, long period. And absolutely, having one fit 
is just going to be an enormous boost. Even if one is fit, I think, then that gives Belgium an enormous boost because without them both, they go into that game in a completely different mindset. It's not like you have... But that's that's your match winners. Two of your match winners gone, and and your service to your other match winner Lukaku. So uh, it would be enormous just for one of them to be fit. Lukaku, of course, of Inter Milan, plays in Italy at the moment. Has a huge battle incoming. Giorgio Chiellini of Juventus could be returning from injury in this game. Leonardo Bonucci, of course, there as well as Juventus teammate. You know, Tom, this could end up being literally the key battle in the game. Yeah, it really could. And I think I've, I've said before that I think even though even though De Bruyne and Hazard are going to be key individuals, especially their absence in this game, I think if Belgium are to win it, I think Lukaku will be the key. And he'll really I think he'll I think he'll really thrive off the idea of facing Chiellini and, and Benucci. This he loves he loves being in Italy now and he's the year he's had there, the seasons he's had there have really put him on have, have um have really put him on this kind of high bar, the the top bracket of of player in in Europe. And he knows it himself. And I think he sees this this tournament as the kind of stage to to um to prove that to an extent. And he's I think he's felt throughout his career that he's had to prove himself. The thing is what you his strength is a key part of of what he can do but he's he's also clever. I love I love to see him move out to the right-hand side. You know when he does that he moves out to the right-hand side and drags he drags the central defenders wide. I I I think he's very clever in doing that and his speed, his fitness that he's got um that 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 is going to be a really good battle. The problem is if Hazard and De Bruyne aren't playing, he doesn't get the same service. That's the issue, isn't it? it, 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 it there's a domino effect. It starts to issue uh, to impact Lukaku's game as well. Fairness, the, the, you know, if you're looking for weaknesses in Italy's team, it's often they've left space in behind. And there's been a couple of times, I seem to remember against Austria, uh, Arnautovic running through, he had a volley that he went over the bar. There's been a couple of times they have been sprung. And also, you know, Spinazzola, as we know, plays so high, if he drips out to the left, there's a hole there. Um, so if it, if it becomes a battle that, that they kind of, you know, Bonucci and Chiellini relish, a physical battle, then I think they'll kind of stand up to Lukaku. But if you can stretch him in behind, and you know, if, if De Bruyne and Hazard are, are missing, still have someone like Tielemans who time and time again and for Leicester City, you see him playing beautiful through balls for, for Jamie Vardy to run on to or for Harvey Barnes to run on to. They have players, Witzel's a, still, you know, although he's a defensive-minded midfielder, He's got the ability to do that as well. So, you know, if Italy continue to play a high line like they have, that's a danger. And is that really where Austria showed us that you can get at Italy? You'll hear Jose Mourinho say one Italian player is totally irreplaceable. But I wonder where you can get most joy against them because, of course, Belgium moved, well, they have moved a long time ago, uh, running into this tournament, into that 3-4-3, whether a change of system might help them get, you know, in behind the wingbacks that we know press very, very high. Is there any chance of a change of shape, Tom, or are they too conscious about defensively being solid? I don't know if it would be wise um, to... Uh, we saw what changing shape does to teams when France, when France played. The one thing that you've, you've got to, I don't know whether you have to accept it or you have to tackle it, is that you're playing against a team who want to take hold of the game 
the tempo with a midfield of the likes of Verratti and Jorginho who just knock it around for fun all day. Now, whether Martinez sees that and think we need to win the midfield battle, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, or whether he sees it as as uh, as doing what Austria did, as you said, springing springing their back line um, as soon as they they come upfield, and and like I was saying before about Lukaku using his his pace, his movement, and, and the wing backs that they had before with Torgan Hazard to um, to punish them for that because because that is uh, I can see that working. I'd be amazed if they change because the back three need bodies around them. They need to they need to support each other. They need to cover each other, and they need other people to cover them as well. So <laughs> that's why they're playing this way. Really, they, I don't see I don't see two centre halves who are really going to be you know able to 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 be exposed. So I think they're 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 offering each other protection that way, and I'd be amazed if it changes. You'll hear Jose Mourinho's thoughts on the Italy versus Belgium game very, very shortly. But let's look ahead to the other game on Friday, gentlemen. Spain, who've hit 10 goals in their two games, last two games, plus extra time, I guess. They've got a great chance of reaching the last four, but they have to navigate a tricky tie, taking on the conquerors of France, of course, in the shape of Switzerland. It's an extremely tough one to call, in my opinion. Gregor, you'll need your man Alvaro Morata to deliver, won't you? <laughs> My man, eh? I, don't know. <laughs> I think he's everyone's, he's everyone's man now, isn't he? I no, think, no. A, a, I think no. along with... No? Okay, wait there. I think along <laughs> with Denmark, there's a potential for this to be the more, most kind of poignant storyline of the competition. If he scores the goals that win Spain the, Spain the tournament after the abuse and the start and... You know, he's had a, an awful time. And it's just it's just such a peculiar player. He's I play, he's played for Real Madrid, Chelsea, Juventus, Atletico Madrid. I was reading he's won he's won fourteen major trophies in club football. He's cost hundred and seventy million pounds altogether in transfer fees. He scored twenty one goals in forty four games for his country, so almost one every two games. If he scores another one, he'll have scored the most in European championships for his country. And he's so you know, and against that backdrop, the the way he's been kind of treated and viewed and perceived is has been pretty extraordinary. And so, like he's only scored one goal, it was a, it'll be a big moment for him, and it could be a big moment for Spain. But if he scores the goals that help win, help Spain win the competition, that'd be a great story. I'm not sure why, but I would change shape if I were Spain for this game. Although it didn't work out for France against Switzerland, I think the centre-forwards in Bolo, Seferovic, Gavranovic off the bench, they've looked a real threat. And also, I've just I've been totally underwhelmed by the Spanish centre-backs. I'm Rick Laporte, for one, who just should be better. Eric Garcia, who I, I don't expect much from anyway. Pau Torres off the bench. I mean, I'm <laughs> amazed. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that Sergio Ramos isn't in this Spain squad because I think they need him. And they've, they've brought in experience from the start of this competition in the shape of Cesar Azpilicueta, who's, I think, helped transform that defence. But I don't think it's still where it needs to be to win this competition. And the, the wing-backs of Switzerland get really involved in the game as well. So I wonder whether Spain maybe changed system, maybe to a 4-2-3-1, play with wide, speedy wingers to try and expose in behind the wing-backs. Maybe Farron Torres, uh, Mikel... Oyathabal, Oyathabal, is that correct? Sounds good to me. 
yeah, I think it's all right. You know, he scored in the last game, but to just try and exploit the space, because they're two players with speed, might be a better recipe for success. And maybe then Gerard Moreno just leads the line and not Alvaro Morata as a one up front. I don't know. Tom, what do you think? Greg was squinting at that idea, <laughs> grimacing at the idea of Morata being left out. I I, I understand it. I, I think that... I think Busquets, unsurprisingly, ju- just has brought so much to that team. Um, like Maguire did coming back for England, like Matthias De Ligt did coming in for Holland, just brought a total experience and a balance to to the Spain team. And he also allowed, the, the fact him being in there in front of the defence, allowed Pedri to have a little bit more freedom to get into... Um, uh, to get into the space in between the midfield and the defence, those those pockets we talk about. Um, uh, just on Morata as well. I mean, I I I think that I think Greg was right in that it could be a massive moment for him, and it could be a massive moment for Spain. That that goal, um, and I think you stick with him because of that very reason. Uh, it's interesting looking back on his career because when he came to Chelsea, he was he'd had he'd been at Real Madrid, he'd been at Juventus, and he'd had this career of being a player who was extremely talented and came off the bench and started some games and scored a bag full of goals. But but he was never there was never there was there was expectation, but not pressure. I don't think. Then he went to Chelsea and he didn't he he was expected to be the main man there and it didn't work out and it's it's a similar thing that I think is happening now with Spain he he has to be the main man for them up front he has to score the goals and it wasn't happening until until that goal and of course it was a it was an important goal being in extra time so I think we could see him be a big part of this game. Um, and actually, that battle with Akanji, who I'm a big fan of, I like yeah, Akanji in the middle of the Swiss defence, that that could be really good. And I don't think... I, I can see Akanji winning it at the moment because he, Murata doesn't like physicality and he goes to the floor far too easily. And, and Akanji will win that at the moment, in my eyes. Something I never thought I'd be saying, both surprising and unsurprising, I guess. Unsurprising, Granit Xhaka is the only player at Euro 2020 (laughs) who is suspended for the quarterfinals. But surprising to say, I think, Gregor, he could be a massive miss for Switzerland in this game. No matter what we've said about... a lot of people have said about Granit Xhaka (laughs) over over, uh, on podcasts and the like... Um, which which is often been deserving. He's he was outstanding against France, so he, he will be a he will be a miss. And I, remember, I actually remember doing a profile piece about about Jacka um, just after the 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 notorious was it against Crystal Palace when he kind of clapped the fans and whatever. <laughs> I doing a PF kind of profile piece about him and speaking to some Swiss journalists, and they were they're just saying how they were so perplexed by the the kind of love hate relationship or largely hate relationship between him and Arsenal fans because. He's he's been he's such a huge player for Switzerland, so consistent, such a leader. You know, I don't I think he's there's, he's not missed a game for for years and years. So this is this is a big blow for them, absolutely. But I agree, I agree with Tom. I think they have some some solid performers. I really love Akanji as well, and I think if although it's not rocket science, they they've got Seferovic, who's great in the air, and Spain's weakness is clearly we could see it against Croatia. It falls into the box and. You know Garcia particularly. Even if even if um, 
Paul Torres comes in, he's, he looks a little bit delicate as well. I know Manchester United have been linked with him just now, but I wouldn't say he's someone who would be relishing the physical battle. So they've got a big target man there. And they've also got Brio Bolo who is quick and strong, powerful. So I think it's stick it in the mixer if you're Switzerland. <laughs> and as you say, uh, Zubar on the left, you know, wonderful left foot. I think he's got four assists so far. So that's 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 a clear uh, a clear tactic for, for Switzerland. Uh, we shall see exactly how that match pans out. We will be discussing uh, both the games, of course, Italy against Belgium and the Swiss taking on Spain on tomorrow's episode of the Game Podcast. But plenty more still to come, so don't go anywhere. Up next, you're going to hear from Jose Mourinho looking ahead to tomorrow's games before I ask these two gentlemen where the surprise of the quarterfinals will come from. Now, I'm delighted to say the special one, Jose Mourinho, has joined us on the game podcast. The former Real Madrid, Inter Milan, Manchester United and Chelsea boss has been giving us some great insights to players and uh, managers alike. I started our conversation earlier by asking Jose about this high pressure knockout football we're about to encounter at the competition. What would he do as a coach to prepare his players correctly for the mental point of view? You know, I think when... uh you arrive in these stages of competitions, club competition, national team competition in in this case, when you reach these, you are ready. If you are not ready, you don't reach these, these stages. So my feeling is that the, the preparation work is basically done and now it's just to let the birds fly you know they are ready let the birds fly of course touch strategically uh, prepare the team with the last bits of game plan a little bit of strategy but now they are full of confidence and they see the light in the end of the tunnel Uh, they know that in one week or 10 days they can be kings of Europe. Let the birds fly because they are ready. There are some big sides, though, that have already gone in the last 16. Some big surprises in there, of course. France, the Netherlands, but, but your Portugal are gone. Germany too. Croatia as well. What do you think the biggest factor was in those sides being eliminated? I would say that the only surprise was, was France. Because Germany lost against England and Portugal lost against Belgium and England could lose against Germany and Belgium could lose against Portugal. So when you face the big, the big teams, teams with similar power of, of yours, you know, football is, is an open match and you can lose, you know, Portugal lost against a good team. Um, deserve more, fought until the last second. Uh, Germany played at Wembley against England, uh, fought until minute 85, um, could score the 1-1 and go to extra time. It's it's not a drama to lose against England uh, at Wembley. France, yes, for me, France, I think they have to blame themselves. Uh, They play against Switzerland, a good team with a good coach, with good players, but there is a clear difference of, uh, of power. And they did everything wrong. A part of their reaction 
in the beginning of the second half, everything went wrong. Uh, the way they prepare and start the match was wrong. Uh, then the way they turned the game from 0-1 to 3-1 showed the potential they have. But then after the third goal, again, everything went wrong. The way they celebrate the third goal was wrong. The way they relax after that was wrong. Uh, the feeling of uh, the job is done was wrong. Then the changes that the coach made were wrong. And in the end, they have to blame themselves. But Holland to lose is normal. Uh, Holland was poor in the qualification, was poor. Um, they were winning the group matches, but not against the best teams. So I would never rate Holland to go further than this. So for me, the the negative surprise and the result surprise was France. This weekend, two teams, I think one of them will reach the final. Italy taking on Belgium. Maybe no Ed Nazard, maybe no Kevin De Bruyne for Belgium. They did travel for the game today. Do you think if they're missing, that would affect the results itself? You know, it's difficult not to say that the team without De Bruyne and Hazard is the same. It's difficult to say because they are two of the most talented players that we have in in football world. But I saw some something from Belgium that I didn't see before against Portugal, which was defend with nine players in a low block. And they did it for 45 minutes against Portugal. And if they can do that with the goalkeeper they have, with the experience they have uh, behind, and with the counter-attack power they have on Lukaku, I think they can beat anyone. So Italy is a beautiful team. They are playing really, really well, and not just playing really well. They are playing some very, very nice football. But Belgium is, I wouldn't say 51% to Italy. I wouldn't say. I would say 50-50 because Belgium is a powerful team and they showed me against Portugal that can also be pragmatic and is very, very important in these competitions to be like that. If you're Italy, you have so many strong midfielders. You've got Giorgio Chiellini. You've got Benucci at the back as well. Do you think they'll be able to stop Romelu Lukaku, who's playing fantastically well in this tournament? You know, Lukaku played in, in Italy. They know him well. Uh, Bonucci, Chiellini, they know everything about football. Um, once I told that they should be teachers of, of young central defenders because Bonucci, Chiellini, they are very good players with a lot of uh, experience. And if Lukaku is stronger than them, is faster than them, they have incredible football brain and will be a very, very important, important fight. In midfield is a question mark because they started uh, Jorginho, uh, Barella, Locatelli and all of them playing beautifully. But then Verratti comes and Verratti is Verratti. And now Mancini has to think and has to decide Verratti plays, Verratti doesn't play. If he plays, who is not playing, it's complicated. But um, it's one of the problems that we coaches, we like to have. What we don't like is when you don't have options.
What would you do? I don't know, but <laughs> the one Jorginho is untouchable. Uh, Jorginho has to play uh, because he positionally uh, he's so intelligent. He gives so much stability to the to the team. He's very clever. He is a specialist in stopping uh, counterattacks by occupying the spaces by making some important uh, tactical falls. Um, Locatelli is probably the one with more goal. Is the one that coming from midfield, he has more chances to arrive uh, in the box and score goals. So it would have to be uh, between Barella and uh, and Verratti. And this is like, I don't want to make publicity, but this should be like, do you want a Ferrari or do you want a Lamborghini? Uh, okay, I want an Aston Martin. I think you can get one as well, Jose. Uh, Just quickly on the other two games, Switzerland versus Spain. This for me maybe is about identity. Spain, although they've scored a lot of goals in the last two games, not quite knowing what they are as a a side. And Switzerland are very, very settled in their jobs. How do you think this game will go? It's a good question. I think think Switzerland uh, misses uh, the teacher. Um, I think they have two teachers, one on the touchline, uh, Petkovic, and one on the pitch, Shaka. And uh, because of yellow cards, uh, they are going to have uh, two teachers on the touchline, but no teacher on the pitch. Um, and teams, they need, they need uh, sometimes this extension of the coach uh, on the pitch. So I think they are going to miss him. But in any case, it will be a very uh, tactical, pragmatic uh, team. Spain, I think they know what they are. Maybe for us, uh, on, the, on the perspective of the football fan or analyst, maybe we have some doubts, but I don't think they have. I think Luis Enrique knows what he wants. Uh, you can see by the profile of player that he selected, clearly he knows what he wants. They are a team that is difficult to predict the the ended product. You know the way they play, you know what they want to do, but you don't know how it is going to end. Sometimes they struggle to score one single goal. Sometimes they struggle to score a goal, but then they score 5-5 and a few months ago against Germany, they score seven. But the reality is that they are a team of ball possession, uh, they are a team with a defensive line up. Uh, they are a team that wants to press immediately after they lose the ball. They are a team that doesn't defend well when the block is low. So I think they know exactly what they are. But then in some matches, the matches they go in a direction where they cannot break defenders. They cannot break defensive blocks. They couldn't break the the Polish block. They couldn't break the, the Swedish block. But then in other matches, the matches they open and then with fast people like they have so many of them, they destroy and they score four or five goals. So I would imagine against Switzerland, difficult to score. But if they score, maybe the game goes in a different direction. So in Spanish, in Spanish team matches, I always put a question mark in front. I don't know. 
Our thanks to Jose Mourinho. And remember, if you subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times right now, you can read Jose's fantastic columns throughout the competition, giving us some great insight to players and teams alike. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game. Uh, but before we go, Gregor Robertson and Tom Roddy, I do still want to discuss one more thing with you. I mentioned it uh, at the start of the, the show, of course. The surprise of the round might come from. Now, there might not be a shock, of course, but if there's to be a shock, who's the team you're looking most closely at? Tom Roddy, I'll start with you. I'd love to stick with Switzerland, and I think I am going to. Is that a shock? Uh, yeah, I think it should It should be, if out of the few. Um, I mean, what's the other shock? The other shock is probably... Is probably um, Ukraine beating England. I don't see any huge shocks other than that. I mean, this is the first time, let's remember, this is the first time Switzerland have ever got this far in a European Championships. Spain have won it. They're the only country to ever win it back to back. So in theory, Switzerland should go into this game very much as underdogs. But I think confidence-wise, coming off the back of beating France, they'll, they'll be they'll be on an absolute high and, and use it in this game. It's just Xhaka's losses, uh, Xhaka's absence will be a, a huge loss. But I, I think you get it into Seferovic and he'll bully that Spain defence. Yeah, I think that might happen as well. I'll be looking out for that Spanish defence to see what kind of afternoon they have. Uh, big work on the way. Who knows? It might be a back three, as I've advocated. Um, Gregor, where do you see the surprise coming? I could see the Czech Republic giving Denmark a tough game, but I, I'm, I'm going to have to... If I was to choose one, it would be Switzerland. <laughs> Spain scored one goal in the first two games, and I just kept banging on about how they don't have a cutting edge, and then they scored 10 goals in two games. So <laughs> either that made me look really stupid, or I'm going to double down and say... I'm still, you know, Slovakia, Slovakia were woeful and the Croatia game was a mad seesawing game. I, you know, I don't think they're going to score five goals again. I think they're going to, and I think they will need to score at least a couple because I think they're shaky at the back. Whether they're going to do that again or not, whether Marat will step up, whether, you know, Torres and, uh, will have, will have as good, you know, as influential a, a game. That, that will be important. I think they're going to have to score a couple to get, to get past Switzerland because I think Switzerland will score. So Switzerland. I don't know, you know, there's a feeling, you know, the Czech Republic is as stale, as yeah. stagnant as they might be. You know, the Danes, you know, might be overconfident going into this one. I imagine there's going to be so much feeling and sentiment about, you know, it might be destiny. Let's call it that. I'm sure they're saying that back home, whatever the Danish word is for that. And maybe the feeling that they're going to cruise to the, the semi-final at least, you know, and a possibly a chance of beating England. Maybe they're looking too far ahead, you know, but by the way, you know, me and Gareth Southgate. <laughs> well, yeah, they're talking about ringing the changes. You know, they're going to rest players. Oh, come on. Let's not get complacent. Southgate won't do that. But all I'm saying is, you know, going to Rome, away from Wembley for the first time, Ukraine with absolutely nothing to lose. Listen, one word, Iceland. You know, anything can happen <laughs> to England at a major tournament. We've been knocked out in the group stage before. We haven't qualified in the past. We had the Wally with the Broly. You know, this this country is still capable of breaking all of our hearts. So football for me isn't isn't quite coming home yet. It bought a ticket, but maybe it's slightly delayed. <laughs> I, I can't say anything. I, I, I said my bit about it last, last time. So um, uh, I agree, though. I agree. That attack of Yarmolenko and Yaramchuk, they're pretty good. They're pretty impressive. I mean... That would be uh, that would be quite a battle for Maguire. Will need to be back in form again that he was the other night. That's another game that's you know highly dependent on who's who's fit. I think if 
you know, Ukraine were battered and bruised after that game, and you know, Yarmolenko was one of them. So he is he is huge for them. Some of his touches, some some of his craft and wizardry with his left foot, you know, that could be that could be huge for Ukraine. But I still think. England, complacent or not, will uh, go through. A huge weekend for us to look forward to. Friday and Saturday, of course. We'll be back tomorrow with more from Jose Mourinho, his views on Harry Kane and what system Gareth Southgate should start against the Ukraine. But if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times. Loads of great journalism on the way ahead of the games this weekend. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial and remember of course you can sign up for less than a pound a day right now but Tom Roddy Gregor Robertson thank you for being with me and thank you to all of you for listening we'll be back soon on the game 